Welcome back to another episode of the Mindsets Podcast. I am your host, Angus Cook. Uh, this is the second episode of the year, and today I'm joined by Tommy. What's up? Uh, goes by Tommy Run PT on Instagram, for those that are aware. Um, and uh, yeah, I've got you on here today to talk about various things. Um, but first and foremost, do you want to do a bit of an introduction to your background, where you've come from, what you do, that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, Tommy, known as Tommy Run PT mm-hmm. uh, on Instagram and TikTok. Um, where have I come from? Well, I'm a, I'm a military brat, so moved around a load. So I don't really know where my home is okay. um, from my childhood. But um, yeah, grew up in the UK, um, moved to London after uni and have just been doing kind of various uh, startup jobs, work in tech and that sort of thing. Um, I've always had a love for sport. Um, grew up with three siblings, two older brothers. So always had that mismatch two older brothers who were like five years and seven years older than me. So I was always a little runt getting beat up on the football pitch. But I think that was a good thing, to be honest for me. Um, but yeah, always always loved this sort of thing. But I think, yeah, more recently I, well, the full story goes that I was actually very unhappy in my job. Um, I had a breakup and then we were just talking about it off air. Um, I had a breakup and, and, and I was like, you know what, I need to quit my job quit my job I was lost I had to live at home with my parents I was 26 COVID had meant that I was just kind of trapped at home and I was a bit like what do I do in my life so I started just thinking about the different things that light me up Uh, one of those things is fitness running Um, it's not all that I'm about although it very much has become my identity (laughs) it does for everyone that's classic Um, but yeah, I was just like, how can I get into fitness? Like, how can I get into the fitness industry? I knew nothing about the fitness industry. Didn't know, you know, what it was like, really. I've kind of always been a bit of an outsider looking in. Um, really hated gym rats, like hated the whole vibe. But I thought I could bring something a little bit different. So I became, long story short, is I became a PT, a, a personal trainer. And um, found myself go from, you know, working in sales for a fintech, doing relatively well, uh, to six months later being on the floor of a gym, you know, <laughs> changing the... Wiping sweat. Wipe, and, yeah, uh, wiping sweat and just like wearing their, their gym uniform and feeling like, you know, I'd really flopped. Um, and it was a massive pill of humility to take. Um, I had thrown all of my savings into, you know, starting my own thing, trying to coach people um, and just felt a bit lost. So I moved back to London uh, about three years ago But I kept kind of posting videos and um, stuff about running specifically because running has brought me so much. So I really like truly believe it can bring other people a lot. So wanted to just provide value on on socials um, and have kept posting on the site. Um, I still have a full time job, still do that. But um, yeah, being made redundant from my old job was like the catalyst for me to really go hard on the on the posting. And focus so, that on yeah, that a little yeah. bit more. Okay, and so yeah. was was running always your sport? You said that you had a bit of a background in various sports, but like, was running the clear clear like winner for you from from day one? No way. Used to fucking hate running. Um, <laughs> actually, funnily enough, somehow I'm still in touch with my old head of PE on Strava, and okay. uh, he commented on one of my posts recently from an ultra I did, and said, um, "Still can't believe you used to hate running so much," because he 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 really wanted me to start running when I was, I used to play like a lot of hockey. Uh, rugby was my main sport, scrum half and, um, loved that. And I 
couldn't understand why you would run and not have anything to chase. I just didn't, I just didn't understand yeah, the concept. I get that. It, just, yeah. it felt pointless. I just, I didn't really understand the concept of grit and working hard and that sort of stuff. So running came to me when I lost rugby, really. So I, you know, left school, um, only really played school boy rugby, Le- left school and I needed a, an outlet and quite an energetic person, um, never stopped. So for my own kind of mental, I needed to get out the door. So I just started running, you know, all I had was like a, a 30 pound pair of um, Adidas trainers from Sports Direct, some old rugby shorts and a t-shirt and I was out the door. Oh, my Casio watch and essential. Um, oh, slaps. Yeah. A good yeah, old yeah, Casio yeah. watch, never let you Do you know, know what? I was actually kind of sad when I bought a Garmin for the first time because <laughs> I had to say goodbye to my Casio. But I would go, I would go and just run. I'd just run hard. Um, like everyone just does, you know, I'm going for a run for half an hour. And so that's how I kind of got into it but I was a very reluctant runner I only admitted that I was a runner when I went to uni um really or like just before when I and I say admitted that I was a runner it's because I just I don't really like I never really liked runners like I was never really like a school kid runner wasn't like that classic sort of whippet who was running around doing cross country at school and stuff so I, I didn't really like that identity but then I realized how valuable it was for me um realized how much it gave me um like mentally physically it was a great outlet um and got into triathlon at university so i was going to say yeah because i mean if we if we take a look at today i've seen photos of you doing like ultra marathons across mad terrain and going from admitting you're a runner at the beginning of uni to now you're you like you've done ultra marathons and stuff like that was triathlon the entry the sort of gateway drug <laughs> yeah into I think, that transition i think for me like i uh i don't know you hear it a lot like do hard things uh that sort of thing but i've i've always kind of liked the idea of doing hard things um i've always admired people who do feats of endurance that take them to a, a level that people didn't even think was possible i've always admired that um when so when lockdown was at its like peak, I was watching like YouTube videos of ultra marathon documentaries. Um, so like Billy Yang and um, you know others would make these amazing, beautiful documentaries, beautiful scenery of the mountains, and these absolute nutcases were running one hundred miles in one push over the mountains. So you're not to, you know we're not going around a track; we're climbing mountains. And they're doing, and they're running for 24, 30 hours straight. And I got emotional. I'd be watching these and I'd like be like a tear would like come down my face, like watching these people, like put everything into this stupid endeavor. And I was just <laughs> like, that is so awesome. And at that stage, I was like, I'd never be able to, that's like not me. You know, you just don't see yourself being able to do that sort of thing. Like I'm, I'm never going to be able to run an ultra marathon, whatever it is. Um, but I, I, I think I have, I think I have this desire in me to always be a little bit of an imposter. Um, okay. I, I kind of, I've hate, I, even when I was going to the gym, like at school and stuff, I still, I still hated gym rats. Like I still hated the whole gym vibe. I really have never liked the whole gym shark vibe, the kind of vanity of it. I've hated all of that. Um, I don't really like, you know, 
10k speed road runners and stuff like that. I'm, I'm a bit more grown up now, but like I, <laughs> I, I just have never liked that kind of environment. I've liked to go in and be and feel like I'm different because okay, yeah, yeah, I'm a bit yeah. of an indie kid or whatever. I want to be a bit different. Sure. So I, I feel like even going into triathlon, you'd have the ex- the experts, and I like the idea of having a slightly shitter bike and not having the expertise, but still doing all right. Yeah. And yeah. I like I like the idea of being the underdog or being the imposter. Being able, is it is it having the ability to kind of stick it to the man, be that person that is on everyone's radar, but really shouldn't have a right to be there. Yeah, kind of I kind of love that. Yeah. I kind of love. And I also love what that, I also love what that represents to people who really don't believe they deserve to be in places that they probably could deserve to be. Do do you know what I mean? So like people who don't identify with being a fit person or going to the gym or being a runner. I want to be the person who disrupts the idea of what a runner is or disrupts the idea of what a gym goer is. So that they go, actually, yeah, maybe I could be welcome in that environment. Maybe maybe it is for everyone. Maybe everyone should do resistance training. Proving that there's this sort of side, that that there is accessibility into it. Because I think you're right. There's, you get so much marketing around sport and fitness. And you actually said it earlier on, like fitness becomes your identity. Yeah. Usually like you do, you catch a bug for it and and one way or another, um, and for anyone that's getting into fitness now, don't let that scare you away. There's just certain aspects that you take into your life that you end up, obviously it becomes more of your life. You talk about it more, that sort of thing. But as a result of that, as an outsider, it can feel really like if that's not how you already feel, how on earth do you enter into doing it just for your health? Like it suddenly seems like I can't just do it for my health. I've got to do it for, I've got to do it for my aesthetics. I've got to do it for my, for my health. I've got to do it for my social life. And it's like, it's not the case. It's just what starts to happen. So you're sort of proving it doesn't need to be that way. Well, I think like at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be an obsession. I'm an obsessive person. I like to go the extra mile or the extra few miles. I I, I like to push. I like to do that extreme thing and uh, be obsessed with something. But for every person, it doesn't have to be obsessive. You don't have to be like really into fitness to, to, to do fitness. Like it doesn't have to be your identity. Um, I think the the problem is fitness, going to the gym, whether it's like running, going to the gym, swimming, whatever it is, people start doing it. It's very much not their identity. They start doing it. They realize how amazing and valuable it is for them, how great they feel, how they realize, you know, they feel more confident. Um, you know, I've, I've coached, you know, I've coached a girl before who told me that she feels more empowered and stronger as a woman. You know, they start feeling like, oh, Shit, this is, I can see what, I can see why everyone's banging on about this stuff now. And then inevitably it becomes their identity because they realize that it's an essential part of their day. But, you know, it's like if, if someone, if no one ever slept before and someone discovered sleeping, they'd be obsessed with it. They'd be telling everyone how great it is. You know, it's, a, it's an essential part of what it means to like exist and, and feel good. That's why people are obsessed. That's why people on socials are annoying because they're constantly talking about this one thing that you don't associate with. But you don't have to be obsessed with it. But you, it should be part of your life. That's, that's how I see it. And if I can bridge the gap, if I can have like people who just have never... One of the biggest compliments to me is when someone comments or writes you a message and said, I've never liked running. I don't like running. Like I've never even thought of doing it. But your videos make me fi- like finally make me kind of consider it. I'm like, yes, because it, you don't have to be a runner. You don't have to like associate with the crowd. 
but it's a valuable thing to do. I think one of the things that I noticed as well, because obviously with your content, you a lot of the time you are talking about running, but not so, not, well, you are running a lot of the time when you're doing the videos, but you're not always talking about running. And one of the things that's quite obvious to me is you have a bit of a passion for being outdoors, mm. clearly, and you have seen some pretty cool places around the world. And you still run when you're out there. And it's a totally different form of video. And you're kind of proving that running can be just an accessory to your life and you can do it in some really cool places. And is that also the way you look at it? Yeah, I think running is um, just a way of moving. You know, it's, it's, it's a natural movement. Um, one of the best ways, in my opinion, to see the mountains is to see them by foot um, because you deserve to be at the top and you have more, you kind of have a little bit more, to get a, a bit spiritual about it, you, you have a bit more respect uh, for the mountain a bit more admiration for the mountain sometimes i even like personify if i'm on an ultra i'm like personifying the mountain and almost like hoping that it will allow me to well they're very there. spiritual places i mean especially yeah. i mean you just have got back from a trip to see some volcanoes erupting which we <laughs> so i got shown some videos before we started this and quite honestly they're some of the most amazing videos i've ever seen Stupid and stuff. we were talking about how i was uh, fortunate enough to be in indonesia last year and went to um Java, one of the biggest islands in Indonesia, saw some volcanoes. They weren't erupting, but I think just the awe and like the awesomeness of those views really sort of humbles you as a person. And I think you being able to run up that, you don't realise that. Wait, let me just. Uh, I didn't run up. Uh, no, not, not up the volcano, but <laughs> we run up mountains up and that sort of thing. Yeah, but they yeah, are yeah. they are sacred places. Like yeah, yeah, the locals no. there really treat them like 100%. they're they're fully sacred they'd never do anything to disrespect especially when it's roaring you can hear it roaring beneath you and like uh yeah you have a there's this there's something about mountains uh they're so they're so big that they almost silence it's their surroundings you know especially something like a volcano that comes up above everything surrounding it like it's you're, you're genuinely in awe of it um and it's one of the re one of the main reasons i do ultra running is because once you get to certain distances it's pretty uncommon that you'd have a flat ultra really i mean like there's a few in the uk and stuff but the they get me to travel around and see new places and um then for the most part in mountainous areas so you get to you get to conquer the mountains or feel like you've really sort of you know yeah uh, defeated that course um but also been completely humbled by it i think that's uh, obviously if you compare running like that to running on a treadmill and i know you've actually done a video about running on a treadmill it can be good for your pace but it's also inherently boring yeah, it's so boring and so yeah. i'd highly recommend not doing it yeah and for people that are, <laughs> are trying to get into running post new year if you've been struggling then and you've been trying to do it on a treadmill then i, I highly highly recommend getting out and about because yeah. there's so much stuff that can happen on a run especially if you live in london there's some crazy stuff that can happen that you'll see um but it's completely distracting and it's a totally different ball game yeah i think Look, there's value. I used to be someone who, who just hated even the idea of treadmills. There's value to treadmills, though. Um, they serve a purpose. Like, if you're looking to replicate outdoor running a little bit, a little tip, maybe put it, like, 2% incline, uh, you'll get a little bit more resistance. It'd be nice. But, you know, for injury recovery, um, for sustaining certain paces, it can be helpful. Um, for hill training, if you haven't got many hills around, you just whack that bitch up and just, like, run up it for half an hour. You don't do that then come back and tell me running on a treadmill is easy because th there are reasons for it and if it's going to make you run more if if running out in this current weather is such a deterrent from you running then go to the gym 
and get on a treadmill and guess what the weights are next to it like you know you can go do a bit of weight training as well that's great so I'm, I'm actually an advocate of it but it's a tool it's not it shouldn't be how you train in the winter if you can help it i think you know a lot of people just there are plenty of reasons why you wouldn't go out use it as a tool but if you can get outside at any time uh yeah huge value in that i'm a big a big advocate for getting out the, out the door you, know? you, you touched on very briefly that injury and mm. um you made a bit of a series about coming back from injury last well, year what, what was your injury i think most of my content has been complaining <laughs> about being injured recently to be honest um so back in uh july um last year i did um a, a uk ultra so i did um race to the stones which is a uh, 100k in my backyard um it's in wiltshire which is like near my parents so i knew the area um and i'd seen it like since my parents had lived there i'd seen i'd seen it so i was interested in it so i was actually using it as a <laughs> the irony is i was kind of using it as a training race which i know sounds ridiculous because it is but i was using it as a training race for uh utmb which is like the kind of super bowl of european ultra running if you've never heard of it but i got into that last year unfortunately i did this I did this uh, 100k. It's it's a relatively flat 100k. I mean, it's over the Wiltshire Hills, but it's not a mountain ultra. So what that meant is that I was actually running for 70 to 80 percent of it, rather than you know walking up the hills and stuff. So I think what had happened was um, it was the kind of final straw that broke the camel's back, and I um, I didn't feel anything during the race. Didn't feel anything like the day after. I even went for a recovery run after. But a couple of days later, I was just feeling like I couldn't spring off my left foot at all. Um, I didn't know what it was. Like, it, it sucked. Um, and basically what it was, was I never knew this, but I'm like partially flat-footed. So I have like flexible flat foot, whatever that means. Which, which basically, I'll tell you what it means. It means that uh, when I'm standing, it's flat. Um, but when I walk, it like create an arch. So I overworked my posterior tib, which caused like tendonitis, pretty severe tendonitis in my foot. Um, and it's been months and months and months of patience and frustration and trying to get back to being a runner again. What is the um, the method of coming back from those sorts of injuries? In Well, in your specific case. You know what, foot injuries, they, it's got to be one of the worst because uh, you don't, you know, you can't, you don't know that you're going to suddenly get this foot injury. Like if you can, you can build for stronger knees and stronger hips and, you know, do all sorts to prevent shin splints and all these things, you know, get stronger glutes. Uh, all of those things will help prevent injury. But something like an overworked posterior tib, that's just not impossible to like, you know, prevent for. Yeah. So um, it's really frustrating because, you know, it's a really awkward place. So I've been doing various kind of band work. Um, it's been very progressive. Like I couldn't spring off it. Um, someone actually reached out to me who does like all sorts of um, programming to sort of heal injured runners and stuff. I don't think they realized how hard it was because he was trying to get me to do like plyometrics immediately. I was like, dude, I can't even like hop on it. You get me to do loads of serious stuff. But the, um, the physio I had was getting me to do very sort of like low key um, stuff and rest obviously um, band work but a lot of like the journey has really just begun um, you know when you get an injury it's it's an opportunity for you to learn about yourself your body um, and for me I, I never knew that I was you know flexibly flat-footed never knew I had weak feet um, so here we are today you know looking forward and planning for 
like strengthening my feet up in in strange ways um but yeah that would be maybe some more foot content uh will come wow that yeah. you've free just free of charge the views just went through the roof <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. what, well one of the things with injury is it it massively affects the way you think and obviously it's an opportunity like you said for you to learn about yourself do you find that it's an opportunity to learn not only how your body works but how your brain works yeah um it's a funny one because everyone says that you like you know you go for a run and you come back and you just uh, your head's cleared or like it's a way to work through all your problems and it is it certainly is like going going for a run is a good way to stop yourself from being so emotional um actually my dad my military dad used to tell me i think this is one of the reasons why i didn't like running because he would tell us like go for a run you know right, yeah, if yeah. we were, if we were a kid and we were having a strop where he'd tell us to go for a run um turns out he was right the whole time <laughs> but it does sort you out like it is a it's a great um it's a great equalizer uh, or calibrator um you know if i'm stressed anxious all those sorts of things and i've got a run on the cards it's a great opportunity to do that run um but it's, it won't solve your problems running doesn't solve your problems but what it does do is it helps you figure out how to solve your problems um so it does clear the head i think a lot of your clearest thoughts will happen when you're doing some sort of physical activity um, when you're alone, when you're being a little bit more present. And I think that running for me, you know, people say running's my meditation. It's not the same as meditation, but it can allow you to, you know, zone out. And I think it's really important to zone out. All of your anxieties, all of your stresses are either remuneration on the future or reflection on the past. And so anything that can get you more into the present moment I have to be a big advocate, a big advocate of, you know, if you're just constantly thinking and I have a, I have a busy mind, just constantly thinking, overthinking, it's noisy up there. If I can go for a run and find myself in that, you know, runner's high in that flow state, that is helping me because it's stopping me from having all of those overthoughts about the future or what I've done in the past. And it's, and it's making me present. So that's why I think it's valuable. Um, and yes, it's going to, it's going to help you understand your body for sure then an injury happens then and you're mm. unable to run and yeah. you no longer have this key to flow state and kind of being able to sort stuff out up there like you said it's busy so did you find a different method or did you just kind of have to deal with it um yes and no um i found i found a new method when i thought when i thought that i would only have to for five weeks so i started swimming got back into swimming i was like oh, man i feel like i'm at uni again like you know two hour swim sessions in the morning at, at, at uni um i was like oh, yeah and i just quite enjoy swimming there's just a lot of faff you know before and after so um more admin so i got a bit more into swimming i was of course lifting weights and that was it it was like cardio was swimming lifting weights maybe a bit of cardio in the gym as well um, but i was just I was just waiting for my injury to get better because really running is my anchor. Um, unfortunately, my injury was slow and um, I eventually decided to drop out of UTMB. And so my running disappeared and my goal disappeared and I was left with uh, the abyss of my mind. And um, I went down a little bit of a spiral, actually. I went a bit off the rails. I had this tendency to go a little bit off the rails. Um 
running to me has always been something that's taken me away from my vices, um, taken me away from too much drinking, taken me away from other substances. You know, it's, it's something that has stopped me from doing all the things that I'm drawn to. And uh, in that period of time, I really struggled to stay on track. And, um, you know, because of, because I was so sort of loose, I ended up losing my phone on a train and like going chasing it and then fell down some stacked it down some stairs drunk and then like fuck my knees up and like it was it wasn't it wasn't great um and I have to be grateful for my girlfriend because she's very patient with me when I I'm in that situation where I can't I can't run and I don't understand why I'm frustrated but running is for me a great way to have the daily discipline and calibrator um and I think it's a weakness of mine that I don't have an alternative. Okay. It's interesting that you still think it's a weakness. And is it, I mean, I think the thing that's quite honest that again, people fail to discuss is if you ask someone to be honest about the way that they feel about on something, especially if they're going through an injury or a setback, they will always say, you know, yeah, it makes me feel this way, but I've got this, I've got it figured out. And it's actually really mature to be like, I haven't got it figured out yet. Oh, I've got jack shit figured out. Yeah. And I think that's, honestly more wise than say, than saying you've got it figured out because ultimately if you if you admit you don't have something figured out and you're searching for ways to figure it out you're more likely to find multiple things to help rather than saying this is going to figure it out and if it doesn't then you've got jack shit but because you thought you didn't have jack shit you're actually one step behind i think anyone who thinks that they're in a good place or thinks that they have figured it out uh should be ready for something to come like a, a tsunami something is going to come yeah the only certainty you have is that you can't be certain of anything that comes mm-hmm. up. You know, like at the end of the day, you uh, you may have a lot figured out. You know, you're more, you've got more figured out than you did when you were 21. But um, I think the the smartest thing you can do for yourself is to figure out how to embrace ambiguity and embrace the challenge of we don't know what's going to come up next. Um, and we're sort of figuring it out as we go. Um, because you you actually realize the more people you interact with, how few people really know what they're doing. <laughs> no one knows what they're doing. I talked about being an imposter. Everyone feels like an imposter a lot of the time. If you can embrace that kind of imposter mindset where you're sort of moving into new territory all the time, you're embracing that discomfort. If you're starting to feel comfortable, you're like, well, I need to change something up. Uh, you have to do the things that you don't want to do that are challenging, that are hard, that make you slightly uncomfortable. Like, in, in everyday life, it should, you should see it. You should see things that you don't want to do as an opportunity. Oh, the dishes need doing as an opportunity to feel better. You know, I need to make my bed. That's an opportunity to feel better. Um, you know, I want to talk to that girl in prep. That's an opportunity to feel better. Um, you know, every interaction that you have, everything you don't want to do, everything you're slightly fearful of, if you can step forward and do the thing, 100% of the time you'll feel better because you did it, because you were the agent of that situation. You didn't let the life happen to you passively. You're the agent of that situation. You did it, you took action. Action's the chief good, reaction comes from it. And that's that's all that you need to do. Just embrace that kind of discomfort. But you can't do that without realizing that you haven't got anything, like you're not clear on anything. You don't know what's coming. If you can embrace ambiguity, embrace the fact that life actually cannot be planned, then I think you'd be more comfortable with it. Okay, cool. I really like it. And do you know what? This leads on to a question I've been I've been wondering for a while, having watched a lot of your videos and listened to a lot of the questions you're asking the person that's watching. 
You're a very self-aware person. Thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> How do you become so self-aware? Like, is there, is it through, I mean, I, I find that I, I personally think I'm quite self-aware, especially when I'm in London trying to walk in and out of people. I seem to be the only person that's on everyone's wavelength. Other people are trying to walk into me and I'm able to dodge them. But in like the bigger scale of, and picture things, I feel like I'm self-aware because I've fucked up a lot mm. at doing different things, which makes me aware of when I'm doing something that could cause me to fuck up. And like you said before, it's busy up there because I'm constantly thinking about everything I'm doing and constantly trying to analyze myself and that sort of thing. Yeah. But you, you put things very clearly and I'm not necessarily at that point yet. How do you sort of review yourself the way that you, you currently do and make it so clear? Um, <laughs> I think part of how my brain works actually is clarity comes from verbalizing things. And I think actually a lot of people are like that. They don't realize it. I think a lot of men don't realize that. I actually think that men could do a lot better by just speaking it out. You know, like even if you're wrong, uh, verbalize it. And actually, I think it's a shame that we feel so scared to publicly speak quite a lot of the time because we're tra treading on eggshells about stuff. Um, and if you speak it, it means you've concluded it. But that's n that's not true. You can you can speak things and figure them out as you go. You can you can verbalize something that's wrong and then turn around and go that was wrong. You know, but verbalizing does help. So that's a way that I I talk to people. Um, I try and verbalize you know my thoughts and where I think that. I think you can tell on this podcast, I talk a lot, you know, <laughs> so I'm, I'm talking a lot. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, I've gone through periods of my life where I've journaled quite a lot. Um, but I think, I think that I have, I've liked that. It's been good. But the, ten, the tendency I have is that I'll journal when I'm really having a tough time. So I'll end up getting to my journal and writing things down or like typing typing them up or whatever and i'll just start like wallowing in my in my shit and it won't be structured enough um and i won't be like forcing myself to be gr grateful for things i'll just be wallowing and it's helpful to get thoughts out on paper and know how your mind's working but it can take over your entire morning in your mind so i think there's a risk with journaling that you're just gonna <laughs> start journaling at 7am and then not actually ever stop journaling in your thoughts until lunchtime um, which is definitely a risk but if you can have like a structured journal that, like with you know three things you're grateful for three things you did yesterday three things you're doing tomorrow something like that then that's like that's helpful but yeah talk more write more um, but I think generally like I'm just quite a reflective person um, I don't know where that comes from I, I mean I grew up in a very um in a very Christian household. Um, so, you know, we were thinking big thoughts a lot, you know, thinking about eternal life, thinking about right and wrong, thinking about like morality. Um, and I was debating in my mind, you know, whether all of this stuff was true or false. Uh, so I got, you know, really into kind of Christian apologetics and like, you know, the arguments of the new atheists and all of this stuff. So I'm a big thinker. Um, I have since concluded that I've gone kind of black sheep in the other way from my entire family. But I think by doing that, I've, I've had to also build my own, uh, like compass and what, what I think individually is right or wrong. What I can justify as being right or wrong, not what's written in a book for me, but I'm, I've thought very seriously for very long periods of time about what I'm about 
And that might just be because I'm an introspective person, but it might also be because my upbringing kind of forced us to, to speak about big topics around the table. Um, so I've always been like that, I think. Yeah. It seems like you've kind of, con- your thoughts are constrained by your own rules rather than being constrained by society's rules that have been taught. And that's quite a cool thing. And talking about journaling, I yeah. actually saw something really interesting this week okay. online. And I, if the person ever listens to this that I'm about to steal a quote <laughs> from, firstly, I'm really sorry, all credit goes to you. I can't remember who it was. But if I gave you an algebraic question right now and I just verbalized it, you'd probably be like, can you say it again? And can you give me a pen and paper? Mm. Because you'd need to write it down to figure it out. And that algebraic question in, is actually quite simple in comparison to your life. Mm. Yet, pretty much everyone I know doesn't go through life writing stuff down, trying to figure it out. And it just makes no sense that for something that could take you two minutes on a piece of paper, that you would use the piece of paper and a pen. But then when it's your life, you don't do that. It's, and that to me is, it was like a really hard hitting thing. And if this is the first time someone's listening to that, and I hope it hits as hard as that, because sometimes just putting a pen to paper. And for those that watch on on youtube you can see what i'm holding up right now and for those that don't you have no idea but i spent time at the beginning of the year utilizing this it's a notepad and uh (laughs) snaked um yeah it's a it's a nice notepad um and i basically started writing down my plan for this for the year and also other things and that's not in terms of setting goals it's just a plan of what i want to do And honestly, all of those thoughts were in my head, but they weren't clear. They were all mixed. They were all jumbled. And that's how my my mental state was as a result. Like things weren't clear in my head. But then literally by having a piece of paper, which I can now stick to, this is my boss a little bit. Mm. Every day I look at it and the job's been done for me. I don't have to think. And it takes, it's given me that time back. It's given me that clarity back. And it's honestly, it's actually stupid to me that some ink and a piece of shredded wood can give me so much sort of clarity. Yeah, a friend of mine, um, we did like a secret Santa. Right. And uh, someone bought another person a pen and it was like the boring present of the the group. And we all got like stupid, funny presents, whatever, there was a budget. And then like six months later, we were, this is at uni, we were like in the library, still got the pen. And and we were joking about actually, oh, it's like actually been the best present ever and all this sort of stuff. And that is actually so true. A pen is, has huge value <laughs> yeah. you can write so you can write so much on there and like back to your point of um you know if you had like an algebraic question simple algebraic question you'd have to write it down you have something as complicated as your life and we don't even write it down life is so complicated people think that you can get it sorted or they'll look at someone else and they think they've figured it all out they haven't figured it all out they figured one thing they're presenting to you out but life is so complicated and one, one of my like one one of the things I really want to stress on, on when I'm posting videos and stuff is is to like have people cut themselves a bit of slack because actually it's a message that I wish I received it was like stop putting so much pressure on yourself if you skip a workout or if you like miss a workout or if you did a shit workout like it really doesn't matter as much as you think it matters what matters is that you're you know showing up consistently over a long period of time that's the only thing that constitutes success. And, and results in success is showing up consistently over a long period of time. But each time you show up doesn't have to be perfect. And you don't have to show up 100% of the time. 
like at all. Like half, half the time I'll train for one of these huge races and I'll look at how much I've done and I just think I've not done enough. Like I've just really not shown up enough. And then I'll absolutely like completely impress myself with the race. I'm like, oh, I did. And over, over the long period of time, there's a massive base of, of training there. I have done enough. And sometimes you like you overthink how much you need to do and, and what perfection looks like. But perfection is bullshit. I like that. Perfection is bullshit. Yeah. Um, cool. So I want to move on to some, some listener questions. Sick. Um, so there's a variety of questions here, two of which have come from Mindsets followers and one of which has actually come from one of your followers who is now a Mindsets follower. Yeah, big up. Um, <laughs> so one of the, the first questions um, that I have is uh, this person, uh, Josh, someone I know actually has, uh, has asked, I got into running recently. Uh, like everyone, I'm in my 20, mid-20s in London. Um, what are the best tips for recovery? Uh, for recovery? Um, don't underestimate movement for recovery. I think, um, you know, being said, if, if I were to talk about the worst things for recovery, it's one of the worst things for recovery is being sedentary. Um, like you just sort of your muscles seize up and you know there's not enough blood flow and you want to get you want to get moving so if that it depends what you're recovering from if you're recovering from a race i would advise doing a little bit of a jog the the next day or getting on a bike or just getting some movement going um so like you know some of the most successful ultra runners out there they'll they'll go for a run after they've run 100 miles over the mountains the next day you know it's just nuts stuff but they know that they need to move their body if you just suddenly stop it can like um, be really detrimental so i hate to say it but your best trick is an is an ice bath um it's <laughs> i mean like yeah uh jessica ennis was doing it uh way before anyone um thought it was cool um getting in like a, a bin filled with with ice and water like it is a great way to recover um so if you can do some sort of cold therapy if you can get some movement uh i think they're my like best tips for recovery and, and, stretching. and, and obviously yeah stretching Stretching can help um, to to like yeah stretch out the muscle. I wouldn't be too like crazy with stretching. Um, there is ultimately uh, li- there's there's ultimately uh, a lot of differing results on the data with with stretching. There's a lot of arguments about stretching out there whether it's actually helpful and all this sort of stuff. I personally am a big advocate of stretching. I think that. If David Goggins does it now, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I, I think it, I think it is it's helpful um, to get full range of motion and that sort of thing. So yeah, inevitably, if it, if you feel like it would be good to stretch, I think that's important to tune into how you feel. Stretch out, eat loads of protein, of course, um, ice baths, and a bit of movement. Uh, don't stop. Like just don't think that yeah, your body will want you to stop, but don't stop because actually what it what it needs is a bit of movement. Okay. Yeah. They're they're my tips for recovery. Well, there you go, Josh. Um, (laughs) So the next question uh, is also from another one of the mindsets followers, Matt. Uh, Matt wants to know if you should get fitted for running shoes or just grab some off the shelf that look kind of cushiony and good. Um, Definitely don't just grab it off the shelf because it looks cushiony and good. Um, Wow. I could go on a big tangent. So like, yeah, your best, the best thing to do is to, to go and get fitted <laughs> is it a gait analysis is the technical yeah, term a gait analysis I, I mean i'm doing these inverted commas with my fingers if you're <laughs> not watching because um you are basically when you go to one of these shops and you get your gait supposedly analyzed you know sometimes 
it will be someone posing as an expert who doesn't know the first thing about what they're looking at at the end of the day. So if you're going to a, a shop on a high street and expecting to find a real expert, you're probably not going to get it. They also, you know, even if you're going to a private store that's not a chain or something, they need to sell what they've got on, on the shelf. And if they don't have something suitable for you, they're, they're still going to sell you something for 130 quid. So the cynic in me <laughs> is a bit, I'm a bit cynical of the gate analysis. But that, that being said, it is your best bet to actually go and get a pair of shoes that fits you. So like, please take what I just said with a pinch of salt. But it's important to recognize that they don't have this godlike knowledge of uh, of how your gait should be and all this sort of stuff. Also, I have a bit of a, I have a bit of an important philosophy about uh, shoes generally. Um, I think most people, most runners neglect the gym. So what that's going to mean is they're not probably not going to be that strong. Um, you know, their joints and stuff will be slightly weak. Um, and that it's a bit of a myth that more foam means more protection because actually the reality is that your body is completely capable of doing the natural movement that is running um, if you were to go to a park maybe in the summer if you were to go to the park take your shoes off and run around you're moving in your most natural way because what you're doing is every time you land you know whether it's unconsciously or not you know to land to protect your heel, to land, to protect your knees and your hips and, and, and also to lift off the ground as quickly as possible because it's like tough underfoot, all those things. All of that is good running form. So the more you limit your proprioception, which is, you know, how, how your body feels, know, knowing how your body feels and how it's moving, the more you limit that with a lot of foam, the higher likelihood you have of actually having form that's not necessarily beneficial for you and all that sort of thing. So don't just think that like more cushion is good. Uh, for example, I have run two ultra marathons of more than a hundred K over the mountains with foam. That's about, you know, not even two centimeters and pretty much been fine. I say pretty much cause you're never really fine. I was going to say, there's no way you can be fine <laughs> after that. Distance. But that's, you know, that's, that's much longer than a marathon. And I'm not really concerned about the amount of foam I have because I know that ultimately I'm running in a way that's protecting me. Um, so yeah, don't, don't just think, oh, that's really foamy. So my, my knees will be protected. It's probably the opposite. Um, a lot of people will get really foamy shoes and then they'll find they, they have knee problems. That, that being said, it is better to get proper running shoes. There are amazing running shoes out there now. Um, it will be, it will feel like a bit of an investment from the, you know, PE trainers that you have, but it is worth it. It's definitely worth getting a pair of, I mean, I'm a huge advocate of ultra, ultra running, um, ultra with an A, um, just cause they, they, they have a wider toe box. They're, they're zero drop. Um, and they're just great shoes. Very comfortable. Um, Hoka make great shoes, and then all the other brands make good shoes at that price point as well. But I think Hoka and Ultra have especially um, really think about the foot um, and having like foot shaped shoes. Whereas there are some brands out there like Nike and Saucony who you can make like really fast shoes, but they're very narrow. So you're squeezing your foot into this cast for 26.2 miles and it's not allowing the foot to do anything it's designed to do. Um, so... Yeah, I'm a bit like, I'm not a big fan of these, like, speed is everything. Uh, this is why I don't really like the kind of inner circle in running. 
because it's all about like carbon plated like speed nylon plated everything's like all about getting the fastest times on the road and it's not about the value that running has for you every day and i think what it creates is this um like elitism and you have like runners who compete runners who race runners who do marathons and ultras and or, or half marathons or 10k you know sub 30 minute 10ks all these sort of like crazy runners proper runners and then everyone else who just enjoys running they'll consider themselves not a runner because they don't really care for that i think everyone's a runner you know everyone who runs every day is a, is a runner and i think anything that's like actually detrimental to your physical health like really narrow massive offset carbon plated shoes like i just don't think they're beneficial so they make you go faster and i will run a fast you know as fast as i can on a marathon road race in carbon plated shoes but i'm not an advocate for them for daily daily runners so to actually answer the question because it's probably a, a shit confusing answer definitely go get your gate sorted but you have to just run in something that feels good immediately if it doesn't feel good immediately it's not going to ever feel good okay so that's like the top tip is like running shoes you'll you'll feel good you'll know when a running shoe feels good um and sadly, it's kind of a trial and error thing. You kind of have to keep keep buying shoes. Well, I was going to say, they do actually have like a range on them. Yeah. So I think like the manufacturers say like 500 miles, but that's for, that's the manufacturers. So they want you to buy more. I would say, um, yeah, around, like once you get to like 500 miles or, or, you know, 800K on a pair of shoes, you should probably consider buying a new pair. But it, you should really, what matters more is how it looks. If it's really clearly worn down, like a really light, a, a really light girl who's, four for eight <laughs> it's not gonna you know damage a shoe as much as like as you for yeah example just to clarify i'm like 100 kilos <laughs> yeah, so there's yeah, a big yeah. difference big, there yeah exactly you're you're probably you probably have to have a bigger rolling budget for your trainers than which that. is which i did not know before i started getting involved in in buying shoes awesome um okay and the the last question uh and this is that i believe is one of your followers uh goes by the name chloe um Top three mistakes in beginner runners and what should I be looking out for effectively? Top three mistakes. All right, I'll come up with them as I say them. The first one that comes to mind um, is going, going too fast, like just always running hard or always, always just always running fairly hard. Um, so I was for, for many years, I was a grey zone runner and many people are grey zone runners. And what that means is like there's basically the effort zones so heart rate zones that um, runners and cyclists especially uh, will use to uh, like measure effort. Um, and the gray zone is basically like the, the middle zone. So there's five zones, there's zone three, which is valuable if you use it, especially like it's at that's kind of tempo pace. So if you're using it for race specific stuff, it is a, it's a zone to use. But if you're just always running in zone three, if you're just always running hard or like hard enough or hard enough to sustain a run for half an hour, you will plateau firstly and you will run into injuries uh, excuse the pun you will <laughs> you will cause injuries for sure um and it's just not actually a like it's just not a, a, a an efficient way to train like if you really want to become fit and like become a good long distance runner you have to train zone two so you have to drop into um a very easy pace and what that's going to mean is that it's going to mean okay so my second <laughs> okay which, which will be a, a nice segue second point will be um, that walking is the second mistake is that walking isn't allowed. Uh, you should 100% be walking 
when you're training at some point. Um, if that if, if it's literally because your heart rate is too high, you need to break into a walk, or if it's because you got a bit of a niggle in your knee, you just need to like calm down and, and break into a walk or something like something. There is no shame in walking. I even if I'm to coach someone, I'll get them to do walk runs. Like I, if I'm coming back from injury, I do walk runs. You know, walking is a part of the same movement. It's a spectrum of movement. You you go from standing to walking to running. It's all the same. It's all movement. If you think that you shouldn't walk, you're making a mistake. I think I'm wrong. You're wrong because I have always thought that if you walk on a run, like you should have just gone slower from the offset. Like you need to train yourself not to want to stop and walk. And I've always taken that approach and just been like, look, I would rather run less far and and not walk mm. because to me in my head, then I've done a run. Yeah. Whereas otherwise I've not done a run, I think is the reward system I give myself. Yeah. I think you should think more about time on the feet. So, um, whether you're doing running for losing weight or you're doing it just for like good health or, or if you're actually training for some sort of race, think about time on the feet more than you think about pace or distance because time on the feet is ultimately what you're training your body to deal with. You're, you're really only hopping from one foot to another. That's what running is. So if you can just be on the feet more, then you know, you're going to do well to, to build that base. Um, and I won't bore you by going through all the like phases of training, but the first phase is base is foundational stuff. So you're just easy running time on the feet, some walking, running, you know, um, if you want to really get fit and um, become a really fit runner, um, then you need to think about how many hours you can be out there sustained doing like a certain level of, uh, you know, your heart rate at a certain level and just out there for a long period of time that builds proper fitness that, that expands your aerobic capacity. Um, just going out for half an hour and running hard doesn't do it as much apart from the fact you'll probably be sedentary for, you know, more of the day anyway. Um, but yeah, don't don't fall into the trap of thinking that running is 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 a failure or wrong. Um, I uh, sorry, walking is a failure or wrong. I I walk quite often, um, or you know sometimes like I just sort of stop and and check my phone or have a coffee. If it's a long like if I'm at the peak of my training for an ultra run, and I've got like a five hour long run on the cards, I'm breaking that up like i'm stopping and, and having a you know an aid station i'm stopping and having a coffee and watching the world go by for, for 10 minutes and then i'm carrying on maybe walking running feeding you know it's time on the feet um that's important we haven't given a third mistake uh third mistake is not going to the gym um man if i could if i could like guarantee that every runner gyms that would be my like life goal (laughs) because like strength training is just really important um moving your body completely um and not just having a restricted running motion um strengthening up all of the stabilizing muscles that are required for good form um is essential for it's like the golden bullet for injury prevention is strength training so if you're not strength training if you haven't got a gym membership um get one um buy one fewer round a week <laughs> and pay for a gym membership and uh, and and have have gym tra- like training in the gym as part of your life. I think strength training should happen at least like twice a week for for runners twice or three times a week for runners. Sure, awesome. Okay, and 
we kind of end in, in quite a oh, well th- <laughs> thank you chloe i appreciate it for anyone else that uh, this is new to by the way then there's an opportunity every week to send in questions for the upcoming guests so hopefully that gives you a chance to feel a bit more involved and get any of those questions for that person actually to them because i can appreciate it. sometimes it's difficult it gets whitewashed um now moving on to the next set of questions really is questions for your i guess this is kind of a question for yourself but I always like to ask a guest to come on and give three pieces of advice for themselves in at some point at various points in their life. If you could look back and lock yourself in a room with someone, which is you, just okay. at a younger younger age, different point in your life, mm. what three pieces of advice would you give that that Tommy? I wouldn't give him shit. I'd let him suffer through it and learn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I got here. You're going to get there. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, what would I tell him? I'd tell him to worry less. I think it's probably one of the most... That's got to be one of the most common answers to this question. Your younger self worries more. I think that's um, that's just a fact. Um I would, I would, I mean, these are all, the irony of this is that I will sit there, look at my younger self and I'll tell him things that he is about to learn anyway. Uh, So the funny thing about this situation is I could, I could fast track that and he'd probably become more successful than than me quicker. But, uh, (laughs) well, this is, this is the point. What would you tell your younger self to help you? Yeah, I would say, I would say worry less. Um, I was quite, quite an anxious, uh, I can be quite an anxious person. I think I definitely was quite an anxious person. Um, I would say, um, what else would I say? It's not as complicated as you think it is. Um, I think, and that is just life. Like, I think you can overthink and think that, am I going to get here? Am I going to do this? Am I going to like reach my full potential? Whatever the fuck that means. But ultimately, like, it's really not that complicated. You've got today. You've got this present moment. Um, you need to eat well, sleep and exercise and connect with other people. And, and it's really it's really that simple. Uh, nothing else really matters as long as you're, like, giving everything everything. Like, and you're going to, you know, now talk, I'm literally, like, speaking it as, as, as if I'm talking to him. <laughs> you're going to be you're going to be all right. Like you have in, in you this desire to do and to do more. So whatever you pay attention to, you will succeed at if you really just work hard and keep doing it. But be patient. It will be all right. Worry less. Um, and it's not that complicated. Keep it real simple. Um, I just don't. I, yeah, I don't think I wish I was told more. Uh, yeah, I wish I was told more that. Uh, it's it's really not that hard like it doesn't have to be that hard i think yeah i've heard i've heard it somewhere that you know disposition is more important than position that that meaning that you know it doesn't really matter what situation you're in what matters is how you're seeing that situation is 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 how you're approaching that situation um you know there are people who have way more than you have everything you'd ever want, but their disposition is so negative that they can't appreciate it. I used to work with someone who was very well off, uh, investor, had a Porsche, smart guy, just like constantly like angry 
and constantly like annoyed at things and and sad and depressed and just like I don't want anything he has. I, don't, I definitely don't want his disposition. Um, yeah, and then I guess what would the third what would the third thing be that I would tell myself? Um, yeah, be patient. Be patient. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, cool. There's one more question that I have for you, really, from... Um, it's actually from the last guest. So ah. I had Jack on last week. Now, I'm going to ask you for a question for the next guest as well. You still aren't going to know who it is. Um, but it's the continuity factor between episodes. Jack, Jack's question is a bit of a, a self-reflection as well um, in this. But he said, when you've been upset and then reflected on it, did you look at it and say, did I actually just hold myself to my own standards rather than someone else's standards? Have you ever looked at it that Pointed way? Pointed question. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's definitely happened. Um, all the time. All the time. I think, I think that might be, that might be the like leading cause of upset is that you're disappointed in yourself. Um, when I've ever got angry or annoyed or that's how it manifests for me, by the way, some people might cry. Some, some people might like get quiet or whatever. I, I get angry. That's my, that's my disposition. Um, which is always been something I've tried to work on, but I have a bit of a like fiery kind of, if something's not going on, but it's not cause I'm actually annoyed at the other person. It's, 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 uh, I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. or I, or I, or I know I've, I've messed up in some way or like, you know, I, I, I feel like they're thinking a certain thing about because I, I cocked up and, you know, on reflection, you can see that. But yeah, 100 percent. Like whenever I'm like annoyed, upset, uh, frustrated, it's 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 on me. And, you know, if I were to give anyone if I were to give anyone advice about because I get a lot of I get a lot of comments. I said to you the other I said to you before this that I, I reply to every single comment. That's not strictly true. If they're an annoying comment, I, <laughs> Get out of there. I usually ignore it. But um, some people are quite, um, they have a bit of a victimhood mindset. They have a bit of a, and I appreciate you want to tell someone who might listen that you've got this problem. Um, and, and that's great. But if I were to reply to any of those comments, I have one reply and that is, what are you going to do about it? And you can say that with the tonality of like, what are you going to do about it? Like, ah, whatever. No, what are you actually going to do about that? Because as soon as you realize that, you know, it might not be your fault, but it's your responsibility and there's things you can do to solve a situation. As soon as you realize that action is the chief good and that doing something is really the only thing that you have power to, to do, then you realize that like that, being accountable it fixes things man like it really fixes things so like if you feel frustrated if you feel angry or like a victim or like sad about something it is you that is responsible to do something about it um so yeah i guess that's tangent like a bit of a, a tangent off the question but i think yeah like so often when i feel annoyed or feel like a victim or whatever it's it's me who needs to sort it out um it's on me it's on you what are you gonna do about it cool what question would you like to ask the next guest? Cool. It can be as silly or as like yeah, the, deep the, as you want. The, yeah, now we've, we've spoken deeply, so it feels like I should. Um, the next guest. If 
I like, I, I mean, it might be different. It might be the same as your previous question if you ask that again. But I think like a certain age in your life um, where you really know yourself or at least like feel like know yourself is like around the age of like seven. Mm. Um, and maybe this is too much of a closed question. So I'll say, please expand at the end of the question. But what would your seven-year-old self think of you now? If your seven-year-old self saw you, would, it, would he or she be proud? I really like that question. I think that's, yeah. And I will get them to expand, don't you worry. Please expand. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll, if I'll if your seven-year-old self saw you now, would they be proud? Please expand. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Um, now, firstly, it's been a pleasure to yeah. have you on. Thank you very, very much. Now, there's, a, there's something that I just want to touch on. Um, you have spoken during this podcast a little bit about UTMB, mm. which I'm going to take a complete stab in the dark here. Ultra traversing Mont Blanc. Well, that was close. Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, yeah. Okay, Ultra Trail Mont Blanc. Damn it, that's the word that I was thinking was earlier close, on. close, dude. Okay, so um, it's, it's all around and on Mont Blanc, which I can appreciate has got to be pretty mad terrain. And it's something that you, it's your goal. You spoke about it, it got taken away from you um, and you, you reapplied to do it this year. Um, didn't manage to win the ballot kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, now, I can appreciate that's got to be a bit of a sucker punch. Um, but... It seems to have kind of given you an opportunity, as you've spoken about, um, to actually do some more of this coaching. Do you want to tell everyone that's listening about what you've got in the works? Yeah, um, the coaching was has always been a plan to kind of relaunch. Um, last year I was doing it and then started a new job and it was just quite a lot. If you've got a new job, I work in sales and sales can be quite demanding at the end of the day it's not like people talk about have a, have a side hustle do your nine to five then then do your side hustle my nine to five is quite intense so um or can be so you do need like to rest or whatever but now that i'm sort of more comfortable in the role and stuff i'm really keen to to relaunch so yeah i am relaunching my my coaching um there's going to be like a, a limitation on how many people I take on board, but what will come of it will be one-on-one um, -on -one coaching um, with some sort of two different packages. Um, there'll also be some plans that I'm putting on my website. So training plans for a, a 5k, 10k, blah, 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 all the standard stuff. Um, also looking to do some events. Um, but the, I guess the difference and the real philosophy behind the coaching, it's not just, it can be, I'm running a marathon, I need a plan, of course, but I really want it to, like something that's really important to me is that you train sustainably and part of that is actually teaching you the key principles that are required for you to, you know, go and do it yourself. Um, what I would love is to have someone who I coach go away from being coached by me and really feel empowered and facilitated to write their own plan and understand the key, pretty simple principles that are required to run sustainably and train efficiently. Um, and then, you know, if they needed a coach again, they can have it for accountability and that sort of thing, but their knowledge has really been improved. So that's like a really important thing to me, right? In the training plans, your off the shelf plans, or whether it's coaching, just ensuring that that person feels like they're learning um, why we're doing what we're doing is super important. So yeah, excited to kind of get that off, off the ground. So firstly, for anyone that's listening, watching, if you've been enjoying hearing how Tommy thinks and 
wish you could have a bit more of that in your life there is there's literally a way that that can happen <laughs> so consider that um and uh where can they find you and 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 that i try to be tommy run pt everywhere um but yeah tiktok instagram um is is where i am most of the time i've tried threads but it's not really so I've really avoided it at me. the moment. I've yeah. I've avoided threads just because I feel like I'm about to get an endless number of notifications yeah, from random stuff. It just feels like a clickbait site. But um, yeah, TikTok and Instagram. Um, usually people feel more comfortable messaging on Instagram. So there we are. Sure. Awesome. Well, uh, for everyone, again, listening and watching today, thank you very much. And uh, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to uh, find myself uh, or the podcast page, it's at mindsets underscore podcast. Uh, it's the same on YouTube, TikTok and Instagram. Uh, and you can probably find me through through the same methods as well. Um, I really am looking forward to hearing a response to your specific question uh, and we will expand. And uh, yeah, so thank you for everyone for tuning in. Uh, I look forward to the next one. Cheers.